I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carried the tunnel and he was practically dead. Yeah, she's 20, I passed away. Like that, that word was used. Oh, it's, it's a tragedy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. Here we go. It's uh, 8.37 and I'm delighted to say former boxer Eric Donovan is with us. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very well, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to be here. How is it uh, settling with you now that you've made your announcement? Yeah, a lot of people are saying to me, like, it must have been tough and, you know, um, do you feel sad and all those things. And, you know, there's an element of truth in that. You know, I am a bit sad and it is tough, but it's the right time. And I'm going out, you know, with... Um, peace of mind you know I came back in I, I turned professional in at the start with a load of regrets because I felt like I I felt like I felt unfulfilled let's say but I'm going out of it now with absolutely no regrets and peace of mind and I think it's the right time Was it in your head before this fight uh, or or was it after the fight because I, I think it's really important that we talk about the fact you had a baby at the same yeah. time as this. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a life-changing moment at any stage. Absolutely, uh, yeah. But um, particularly when you're a fighter and um, it's such a difficult business. I, I, like, I don't think anybody, unless you've actually been to a fight, uh, you don't really fully appreciate the punishment that fighters take mm. until you see it mm. aftermath. In the, in, in the aftermath, just how difficult it is for your body to recover. Yeah. And... Um, Anyway, so I'm. I'm. What do you, what's the story? Yeah, no, that's you're right. You know, it's a brutal sport. You know, it's really, really tough. And I suppose, even though I kind of taught that, like I kind of knew that before I turned professional, it's still even more difficult than you can imagine. Because I was an amateur boxer for years. You know, from the age of seven, I walked into a boxing club, and you know, by the age of early teenage years I was I was getting picked to represent Ireland at schoolboy level you know so 13, 14 I'm representing Ireland and when you get to 17 I'm in with the national team the elite senior team so um, and I spent 10 years there so I was 27, 28 when I kind of unofficially retired from the amateur game um, and during that kind of I had a three year kind of sab- sabbatical so uh, but I was watching a lot of boxing doing the odd bit of training and um, I I was full of regret, as I said. So I used to ponder down, you know, my my mind was uh, pondering back down memory lane from time to time. And I was thinking, oh, I could have done that and I could have done this. A terrible place to be like for anybody, you know. And I went back into education as well, as as you know, and I was, I was studying counselling and psychotherapy at the time. And I graduated with a diploma in 2015. And I was very, you know, delighted with that because that was huge for me, you know, not coming from a you know, an educa- educated background or, you know, having any academic skills, that was a huge moment for me. And I said, right, momentum's with me now. I'm going to go for my degree one more year, you know, and really push the bar, you know. And um, But then I also was kind of, um, what would you say, uh, bombarded with these thoughts of of past regrets, you know what I mean, and past near misses and setbacks and all that. And the conclusion I came to was, look, i got to answer this call, you know, because... 
if I don't, I'm going to be living the rest of my life, you know, probably a bitter, angry old man, you know. Um, and that was it. I said, the conclusion was, I can always go back and do my degree, but I can't always, I can't always go back and box. So at 31, I turned pro when most people are wrapping up their careers at 31 and into a game of like a brutal sport, professional game. And I had absolutely no major goals, but in the back of my mind, I was like, an Irish title would be brilliant, you know, be, it would be class, you know. And I was doing a lot of punditry as well. So I said, like, I'll be able to speak in the punditry kind of position or the, the punditry role with expert, you know, analysis as well. Um, so, you know, once I got going and I got a bit of momentum going, I got a few fights under my belt and obviously I won the Irish title, but I, I kind of felt like I had a lot more than I thought I did have. But I knew I was in a tough game as well. And uh, so I pushed, the, I pushed the bar out. And for the last three or four years, I've been telling everybody my goal is to become a European champion and that can be like a, a very tricky thing to do very risky thing to do because we're putting ourselves out there to be scrutinised to be either glorified or to kind of be slammed and you know Reese, your, your last uh, Reese uh, McLennan McLennan yeah. uh, he's brilliant like you know and I was just listening to that interview and you know I think it's important that we kind of like you know, we set these goals for ourselves, but don't be afraid of, of you know, don't be afraid of, of announcing them and, and letting people know. And anyway, f- for me, look, it was a happy, a happy ending. You know, it was, um, the, I think, the professional chapter in my life from 31 to 37, six and a half years has been a success story. You know, I had some big fights, some big losses on yeah. big stages, but... <clears throat> Ultimately, I reached my goal. I know. I see. I I was like really, you know, desperately concerned if you didn't make it, what the outcome would be. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you you did put all the eggs in that basket, and I think it would still have been a success story if you hadn't got the the if you hadn't won your last fight, because for, like. Your your story isn't just about trying to win the belt. Mm. Your story was you you framed it as a redemption story, mm. right? And that's because you were coming back from dark places. Mm. And whether or not you won or lost, that was a judgment on the night. Yeah. But the judgment on your life is that you've come back from those dark places. Yeah. Yeah, like I've heard many people saying, like, you know, you've already cemented your your your, your legacy or your name in the books and history books from your amateur pedigree and your amateur career. And I'm just like, you didn't oh. buy it, did you? No, I, I didn't because I kind of felt like even though I'm a European medalist as a, as an amateur and you're like, that's world class. You know, that's a world class level because the European uh, continent is one of the strongest continents in, in boxing, you know. Um, and uh, so, like. I just didn't, but I just I felt unfulfilled, especially missing out on the Olympics and and everything. And and then nowadays, amateur boxers, you can see them on YouTube. YouTube screen everything, you know. But when I was boxing in the amateur days, I think I might have boxed on RT once or twice in the senior final. So yeah. there wasn't a lot of apart from the boxing community, people like people in the boxing community knew exactly what I'd done. Uh, but the general public had no real kind of understanding. Um, but now I kind of feel like. Okay, I've I have redeemed myself, and I have shown, uh, I have fulfilled. You know what I mean? Fulfilled. So the fulfillment know. comes from the outcome, in a way. Like, yeah, and that's a separate thing, really, from like you know, changing your life to the point where you're able to be the man you are now. Mm. Like when I look at like growing up, like when I was an amateur, I looked at Kennedy Egan, I looked at you know Darren Sutherland, Michael Conlon, Paddy Barnes, or you know, obviously Katie Taylor, and I just thought like. I never in the same bracket as them, you know, because they were, you know, they were like achieving their household names or whatever. And I, I always kind of was like in awe of them, you know, but at the same time feeling very um, sad and depressed because of my own 
issues and I couldn't overcome them, you know, or I couldn't address them. I didn't know how to seek out the help, how to ask for help. Um, what changed with that? Like, how did you fix that? Um, I suppose, yeah, that's a great question. I suppose you just... It, you just get to a stage where you become overwhelmed by it, like that there is no, it's like a boiling pot, you know, the lid just ready to burst, you know, and that's what I was like, you know, I used to suppress an awful lot of emotions and feelings and um, you think you're doing the right thing, but, you know, you can't solve a problem by running away from a problem. The problem is not going to go away, you know, but I realised that today, but I used to suppress everything and then they they would come out in a very unhealthy and toxic way, whether it's through drink or drugs or whatever, and it'd be just kind of, you know, an explosion, a big episode, and then it'd be, again, try and regroup, regroup, and then another big explosion. But I realised, like, when I got to a certain stage in life that, you know, these emotions, these feelings, these... these um, the energy inside, these are very much a part of my being in every way, like, you know, and I cannot run away from them anymore and I can't ignore them. This wasn't connected to success or failure in boxing. This is, like, just real life, right? Real life, yeah. It's, human it's life, separate. Yeah. It's, uh, boxing was kind of, in some ways, uh, a little bit of, uh, what would you say, uh, a bit of solace in all of this, you know what I mean? It was respite, you know. Sometimes yeah. when I went to boxing, I was free. I was free from the, the madness of my own mind and um, free from... Uh, you know the feelings the emotions and it just used to go into a boxing mode you know and then that kind of do you, do, do you, to, a cover up to get to the point you are now do you have to go back and, and ask what caused the madness in your mind or or do you just have to learn to cope with the fact that there is a bit of madness in all of us yeah with, with <laughs> that's very true there is a bit of madness in us all a bit of good in, in the worst of us a bit of bad in the best of us as well do you know but I I I did have to, first of all, take ownership. You know, that's the first thing. Like, you cannot solve a problem if you don't see it, if you don't think it's there, if you don't acknowledge it, you know. So I was in denial for a long, long time, you know, with a lot of stuff, you know, that I I suppose I never really took full acceptance of what was going on for me. And I always blamed, in a way, kind of directed it towards maybe different areas, you know, different things. It was because of this or because of that, you know, and... And then eventually, I, t- I had to say, look, it's, it's me, you know. There's a great, there's a famous quote from Marty Rubin, a Canadian uh, author. It says, uh, the truth is what's left when you run out of excuses, you know. And that's what it was for me. And I was kind of left with my raw, vulnerable self. And then at that stage, you're kind of like, well, which way do I go now? Do I jump off or do I ask for help? And, you know, I asked, I asked for help, you know. And, and that was the, the beginning of... A whole new avenue for me, a whole new life, a, re- a redemption story. Are you allowing yourself a bit of nostalgia now, Eric? Like, are you thinking back in the last few days to walking into St Michael's Boxing Club in Athai for the first time? Is it yeah. has it just even hit you yet? Like, it's probably like the, the winning the European title. It probably takes a bit of time to realise that you're you're retired and finished. Yeah, it's no, it's really, really, um, it's incredible. And even when I think back to the boxing club in Athai, what that done for me, like, you know, that was a real game changer for me. It gave me direction. It gave me purpose. It gave me you know, it was my education, really. You know, it got me out of town. I definitely wouldn't have left the Thai town if it wasn't for the club, you know, because, like I said, school wasn't uh, an area that I, I, I really, don't, you know, done well in. And, you know, Thai is a working-class town. You know, education and sport are very important down there, you know, to, to really move out of it and, uh, and do well for yourself. So the boxing club, even though at times 
it became an annoyance for me too because I tried to run away from the club so many times because it was getting in the way of this you know the, the life I wanted to live with the boys and the girls hanging around and dossing and messing and whatnot but that's when the coach Dom would, would follow me around you know? would he literally come to your house yes, and she say, would yeah, yeah. <laughs> pulled me out of a house party and everything before we got, because I promised him I'd fight in a show you know and I went missing, you know, and he pulled me out of his house party, brought me to the boxing show. So I, I even still boxed, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember getting out of the ring. It was an open air show in Mullingar, and I, and I remember getting out of the ring and I fell asleep in my boots and all my gear at ringside afterwards. But uh, just, the, yeah, but like so grateful, like, and lucky that I had that kind of. Um, so I, I still think that I. I'm, I'm sorry to labour this point. You fixed something that most people don't get to fix, mm. right? And so I, 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 we're from the same town. I, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I know the corners that you would have been standing on. Yeah. And, and I know the <clears throat> the school system didn't work properly mm. for you. Mm. And I, like, how did you how did you survive that? They're like, what? Yeah. Where's the bit where you 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 get the strength to ask for help, mm. or even know how to ask for help? Mm. That's a good one. You know, um, I suppose. Uh, you know I heard someone say before the crack is where the light gets in you know what I mean and sometimes you know I put up a f- good fight for a very long time you know about like uh, trying to hold on to this way you know and trying not to um, trying trying to deflect basically mainly for for most of my life but I used to I remember many times a lot of tears a lot of a lot of really sad times you know especially sitting down with the family like you know here I go again how did this happen and that kind of stuff And because you'd cause trouble yeah but, but like mainly the trouble would be just like my own really um, incompetence like just really uh, slipping up or messing up and then I'd be devastated again depressed probably said something I didn't mean probably did something I did, shouldn't have done that kind of stuff and then always it always led to guilt Remorse, shame, embarrassment, and you know whether it was internal or external, it was all you know. And it was just I became sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I used to look at everybody else and think, how are they doing it? You know, wanted to be like everybody else, like normally, like normally socialising, normally having a drink, going out, coming home, this kind of stuff. And it just wouldn't work for me, you know. Like I, I couldn't do it, you know. Even like if I had one drink, I'd be just like you know yeah. wired, <laughs> like you know, it had a different effect on me. Um, are we and still living in a tie at this stage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then, like, I didn't even realise, this is because you asked a very good question, I didn't even realise that there is support out there in the way that it was and the way that it is. Like, as, like for me, it was just, a, 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 if you can't sort this out yourself, you're screwed, you know? Yeah. And that's why, at one stage, I actually felt that maybe I'd be better off not being here, you know? Because I thought, like, you know, I'm just a burden. I'm, you know, I'm just letting people down, let me coach down, let my family down, and maybe it's better off. Maybe I'm better off not being here. Like, that's. And how easy it is for that to happen? Oh, my God. Like, it's so, like, so very real. Very real. And the other know? thing is that it's so common that, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, in our class, there were people who died by suicide, and the town has been, unfortunately, plagued by it. Yeah. So it's right there. Like, yeah. the, there are examples of it. And that's why I think it's important to labour on this, because. Like it's possible, mm. it's really possible, and I, there's so much in this story, you know. Like, yeah, um, there's a lot in it, yeah. And and again, the boxing at the time was giving me the only kind of credibility and you know kind of respect that, that I felt that was valued in me, you know, because outside an identity, an identity, and outside of that, like I was just felt like 
and nobody a waster you know and and that's that, a very that's, dangerous place to be that's how society views people yeah. who are from working class areas yeah. that we we decide yeah. as a country and yeah. as a people no there's no value here yeah and like yeah. I think it's it's a real it's a real difficult place for us it to is. be in you know, we, we talk about the footballers going across the water as well like you know the, the sun you know promise you know the sun moon and stars you know and then it doesn't work out for them and after spending four or five years maybe you know development years you know over there and they're coming back tail between their legs what do they do feel like a waste feel like a loser you know and that for me that's I had a kind of a very difficult relationship with boxing for a while and with myself because I kind of then was angry with boxing because I felt like I'm only a boxer you know and boxing would consume me to the level of like you know know, didn't know much about values and that kind of stuff and but when I asked for the help initially, Ger, it opened the door to a whole new avenues, a whole new world. Now, I won't say it's easy because it doesn't happen overnight, but like that was the beginning of the process. You know, I started to learn about addiction. I started to learn about mental health, emotional health. I understood why we do the things we do, you know, why I kept doing the things I did, you know, um, and then I learned more therapeutic and holistic approaches to the self-destructive ones I was using before. And I was like, okay, this is a bit easier. This is a bit easier. This is a bit easier. And then during that process, you start to discover what Eric is. Eric, the the man, the human being. Yeah. And I didn't care about boxing. But when I got back in touch with Eric and started to grow, uh, really grow and develop, that's when I opened the door to going back to fulfilling some unanswered boxing questions does this happen in your mid-twenties like after so the boxing finishes as an amateur and you're bitter about that is there then that period of like mm. self-reflection or um, a despair and yeah. then the self-reflection comes after that 2012 was the, the time I, I, I went into recovery for the first time and uh, after that the summer of 2012 I helped Katie Taylor out for the Olympic Games went to the training camp in, in Assisi when that was over I kind of didn't know what to do threw my, threw my name in the hat for the World Series of Boxing see what would happen I got called I got picked by who? none other than Kazakhstan So, and the difference in Kazakhstan and all the other franchises was they wanted you out there indefinitely like for the whole there's no kind of train at home go out and buy. so I went out there for like nearly 8 months or something like you know and out there I learned so much about myself you know because that was in the early stages of my recovery and I had a lot of good support from back home people calling me ringing me doing Skype calls and all that but out there I really grew up like I really so you're sober developed, yeah right. yeah yeah. and um, and uh, it was incredible and then when I got back from there I just I kind of retired from boxing I unofficially went back into education so t- I was 27 28 going on uh, 27 going on 28 when I kind of unofficially retired and then I was 31 when I came back turned professional but during that three year period I did a lot of personal growth a lot of development and it was that's when I realised that maybe you know maybe I can do something here and you know it's kind of crazy When you talk Eric about being like you know embarrassed or ashamed of your past or whatever you're, you're like, it's amazing because you're speaking to so many people who've felt that emotion of which there are plenty as well yeah. but like I've heard you say in, in recent times as well that you, you now see your past as an asset which I think is mm. that's just a that's just a mm. emotional shift in your own thinking I guess was it? Yeah Oh definitely and most people would most people that going around depressed that would come from similar backgrounds or whatever probably 
feel the same way as I used to feel and I message I try and get across to them is that like you know you know you're not the I, I, who was it I heard saying this I think it might have been Brezzy or Jerry Hussey or something that said you're not the worst thing you ever done you know what I mean some people go around feeling bad like you know they might have made a mistake or they might have but like that doesn't define you you know um, we're not responsible for the life we are given but we are responsible for the life we are living that's the key you know so we're all born into whatever you know whatever areas of life and you know you kind of develop skills to kind of navigate your way through that survival techniques or whatever survival skills but when you get to an adult you know you probably don't need many of those skills anymore you can go on a different route or whatever route you choose but you just have to be brave and, and ask for that kind of help and direction and and that's it yeah but I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to distill your yeah. entire career down to just a couple of minutes but like you've got the belt sitting in front of us here and like yeah. that El Hadri fight um, the 10th round particularly I think mm. for anyone who watches it back I mean that 10th round was just it was manic is that the most defining few minutes of your of your career yeah many people have said to me after the fight the 10th round man unbelievable and I'm like yeah was it yeah I did like you know I'm fighting on instinct yeah, yeah. so um, I had to watch it when I got home myself and then when I was watching I was like oh jeez like I, I know exactly what they're talking about now and uh, yeah it, it's incredible you know, I train so hard. Like, I train hard, hard, hard. Like, I put my body on the line all the time, put my body through the mill, the track sessions, the strength sessions. And, and you know, here's the thing as well. Over these last kind of, particularly this last year or two, I've been doing prehab and rehab before and after every training session. And it's so annoying. But that's that. I 37, I had to do that. Um, so grateful for the physio, uh, Vicky McGinn, physiotherapy and draw that. Sean Kilroy, strength and my strength and conditioning coach. And then obviously with Packy as well in the Celtic Warriors. Everything had to be meticulous. Every single thing. And I worked so hard. So I knew it was in the bank. I And I always knew that there was one big performance in me. You know, I nearly pulled it off against Barrett. You know, it didn't get close against Ramirez. But I just knew there was something left there because I knew that all of the work and all of the life experience and all, it, it had to be for something. And um, and I was just so grateful that I could pull it off in that fight. And in that 10 fight, like, I didn't, people looking at me were like, I thought they were on the verge of being stopped. But I didn't feel like that in there. Like, I actually felt like I was always in the fight. I knew it was tough. Yeah. But I never felt like I was ready to... To, to bow out or anything you know it's funny because you, you, you talk about it being a, almost a blur like can you take yourself back into your head in that fight at the speed of thought or is it a case of you just can't remember it, the entire thing I tell you I was so relieved when I got there and when I won it and I was really elated and buzzed and all the people around me my family my you know my wife my children my children were there they saw me getting you know really bad defeats against Barrett and, and Ramirez and I used to tell them like you know afterwards you know sometimes we lose in life you know but we have to keep going and I try to always give them lessons of life through my own lessons you know and uh, so they were ringside for this greatest victory for me and my youngest son Troy 10, 10 years of age spot of blood come out and hit him on the forehead like you know what I mean like that kind of stuff that's how close they were and I was just so happy to be able to do it like for them as well as you know if, like even my wife after the Ramirez fight I didn't think I'd even box again I spoke to Joe and I was like you know I could be done here you know but she had me to pick myself back up like she said, you set your goal you know what I mean you have to go you know so a lot of people helped me out like you know and then of course you just have to keep picking yourself up and go again and go again and 
sometimes we don't know how close we are to actually turning a corner or making it work yeah. in this case you know I, I, I was very close you know from the Ramirez fight was in February this was September what's that seven months or something was there any part of you after the fight that was like, yeah, I'm going to go again? Uh, or was it oh, fairly yeah. quickly you were like, do you know what? Okay. No, that's, I, I, that's, no that's great because like, I, I, you wouldn't believe it. At 37, here I am retired and I have so many opportunities and like po- possibilities if I wanted them, you know? And I'm like, where were you <laughs> a few years ago? But anyway, like even Punchestown Event Centre in Kildare, you know, wanting to host me. Yeah. Drada United, United Park in, in, in Drada, wanting to host me, wanting to have a fight there. Incredible meetings and, and, and discussions and, and all of these great possibilities. But, you know, I think you can push your luck in this game, Jerry, you know? And I'm kind of like, at 37, all I wanted was this. I've got it. I had my greatest night. I can't top it. A 12-round war. Like, even with professional boxing, it's kind of like, you haven't really, like, in the back of my head, I used to always say, well, you're not really a professional fighter unless you've done 12 rounds, you know? Because <laughs> you have to do 12 rounds. That's the, that's the pinnacle, you know? And now I've done that. And, you know, I just, I just don't think you can top the night I had. And I'm not naive like enough to think that my next fight could you could you could end up in, on on your backside mm-hmm. and you could bow out that way. And I don't, you know, what's the point? What is the point? You know, some money or anything like that. That's all I wanted, and I got there. You know, and I think it 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 justifies everything I've done now. You come in and you've got a pain in your hand still? I do, yeah. My hand's a bit tender. People are shaking my hands. Well done, Eric. I'm like, ah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I have to tell them now, stop shaking my hand. I'm kind of like just doing this fist pump. And I'm in no rush to kind of get it looked at because I'm retired. But I have, I got onto my physio a few days ago. I said, you need to get, refer me for, a, or send a referral for an x-ray. So I'm waiting on the call now. Right. Yeah. But that's like also a sign to your body is like, yeah, no, you, yeah. Enough, yeah. we're done. Yeah. We're out. We had enough now. Yeah. No, that's true. The body is screaming at me like, you know, over the last while. Like the Ramirez fight, I couldn't do a running session at all. I was on the bike every time. Like I'm for a boxer, you need to be running. Yeah. Running is so amazing. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I was on the bike and I was just so annoyed because of because, that. Because of hips or knees or? Uh, a tendon issue right. on the back of my right and uh, back of my right knee. Um, it's just that big tendon on the back of your leg. Um so that was the issue and he used to just get me at the top of the calf bottom of the hamstring right there just above and below the knee and it you know, was so annoying and uh, it's one of these things you're getting loads of physio on it but again it's just wear and tear you know the mileage and um, but but for the El Hadri fight everything just aligned for me um, all, I obviously had to do a lot of prehab and rehab but it was like the gods were looking down on me uh, for just this one final time it's know? perfect I, I had a, a, a DM last night from somebody who I don't know and I'm, I'm not going to mention his name hey Jar, I should have mentioned this earlier when you had the Eric Donovan podcast last year some of the chats I think Oshie McConville especially stirred me to get the help I needed he talks about another podcast and says thank you and whoever else for producing them so much shit in the world thought I'd say something positive here anyway like that impact that you've had you didn't know about cause, I mean he didn't know you were coming on today and he didn't know you, you were going to yeah. be here for me to read that to you like wow. that seems to be something that you've managed to build over the last couple of years you go and you tell your redemption story now you're bringing a belt with you it's yeah. like a very powerful force multiplier for everybody in the room yeah it's very it's very overwhelming like you know and it makes you emotional when you think about that because like a lot of people help me out along the way um, and I'm just trying to do the next right thing in my life you know that's it I'm just trying to put my 
put the right foot forward and do the right thing and that's the principle I work the principle I work off in life is about doing the next right thing you know and when I stand up and do these talks I have another talk today I'm heading to Cork today um uh, after here I'll be leaving heading to Cork so like but when I when I do these talks I do sometimes feel exposed you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's different it depends but there is times I give a lot of myself you know yeah, I do feel exposed afterwards and I do be like oh should I, should, I, should I open myself but then like this when you get these messages you know you're doing the right thing I know I'm doing the right thing you know it only lands with people yeah. if it's true and if yeah. you have exposed yourself and if you have shown that vulnerability and I think that's why so many people rally behind you and like I don't know I, I, is there a book coming I hope there's I a book know. coming yeah. I don't know I honestly don't know there has been a few uh, there has been a few conversations alright about possibility and I just said well it was before this belt and I just said I'm sorry I can't write a book right now because there's a couple of chapters uh-huh. left to, to, to write but uh, we, we could possibly look at one now yeah, yeah. what uh, what reaction do you get when you bring the belt into a classroom like, I, I remember when I was a kid and Kevin McBride came into our classroom after beating Mike Tyson and wow. yeah. just like you're just thinking this guy's it's madness but like yeah. you must have that reaction because kids must look up to you now as just this otherworldly hero walking in with a belt like that yeah no it's look it's really special it is and over the last kind of number of years well especially the last two years when I broke into the European rankings I used to do a lot of these talks and I'd finish the talks by saying here I am I'm in the Euro- these are the current European rankings this is where I am and that's my goal my goal is to get to the top to win the belt so for all the talks I used to be doing that and doing that and then I used to say to myself God if I don't get this belt I'm going to be just like left with the guy who you know the guy who made it into the European rankings but I have now the screenshot of the, the latest EU European rankings and it's the top champion Eric Dunham, before I was even in them you know and that's for me it's just like it's incredible it's a uh, physical it's thing like uh, to walk yeah. into a classroom for kids to be able to hold something and go this is what yeah. we won like yeah. you just yeah there's so many that there's so many schools there's so many uh, groups now that I have to get back on to and, and to call into um, there's just so many I don't even want to name any because I leave some out but yeah I, I'm so so lucky and grateful that this had an impact on so many people not just the belt it's the whole story as as Sir said it is a whole redemption story that has many kind of elements to it and for me I just I just love being able to kind of make people proud and happy you know and to give them a bit of hope you know in in a, in a life that can be very very tough 100% um, so your identity is changing obviously evolving from professional boxer onto yeah. the next stage of your life um, you have picked up a lot of knowledge along the way there are some interesting openings coming up in Irish boxing are you interested in being involved I said this before I don't want to confirm or deny but like I will think I'll always be involved in boxing you know I think in some boxing is my passion I have so much to offer boxing and boxing has given me so much and I actually, I actually think that boxing is is an amazing sport can do so much can do so much positive so much good it hasn't been shown in the in the greatest light over recent times you know and the people in the boxing like even at the hierarchy haven't done themselves any favours you know it's even like threatened to be you know removed from the Olympic Games and that would be a travesty it would be an awful shame if that happened so I mean I'll always champion boxing like you know I'll always kind of be an advocate for it because I know that the work it does and I know that the the majority of people in it are good people and they, they and I said this before they're not just boxing coaches many of them they're life coaches and they help people so much um, so 
Yeah, I think I'll always be involved. I will say that as a coach or um, in some capacity, I'm working as a coach already with Jude Gallagher, who's uh, only 21 years of age, one of the brightest prospects in world boxing, not just Irish boxing. Uh, Commonwealth Games gold medalist. He's from Tyrone. Comes down to me, stays a couple of nights a week in Drada. Right. And we train and we train hard and he is an absolute joy to work with and he is a candidate for the Paris Olympic Games and he can go wherever he wants to go in the sport. Yeah, I know you were working with the football, the Gaelic football team as well. Yeah. So you, you're you're involved at that line, like yeah. kind of, are interested at least in mm. in working with people to improve performance. Yeah, always. I, I love sport, uh, you know, but I I think there's a huge kind of uh, kind of correlation or connection between like the, you know the mind and 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 sport and 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 the body and obviously. Um, getting the best out of people is not always just training them to death you know what I mean it's sometimes just being able to connect with them and work with them and train smart like that's what I had to do over the last couple of years not train hard train smart you know what I mean and as a youngster growing up I always thought train 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 your heart you know train yourself to death but uh you know, there's a, there's a smart way of doing things. Uh, it's funny, Eric. Like I, th- I mentioned, the, the Al-Hadri 10th round is a key moment in your career. Like 2016, when you're turning pro, mm. it, like for people who maybe don't follow boxing, they think, oh, amateur into pro. It's the same, it's the same thing, same game. But like, mm. realistically, the amateur game, punch, avoid the counter punch, rack up the points. Mm. Uh, like for you entering that professional ranks, you know, it's you have to have that killer instinct. It's a totally yeah. different mm. ball game. Like, do you almost separate your career into? Two halves, almost. Yeah, first half, second half. Yeah, yeah, it is like that. Um, amateur, professional, uh, and you're right. I was so long a professional that, like, it took me, like, it was so hard, and I never really fully transformed or transferred into the professional kind of sitting. But I did learn enough to win that last fight from Packy from the time that we had. You know. Um, if you watch my defence in that fight, if you watch my hands, they're up here. I used to be an, an amateur southpaw, slick. Hands were always down around. Even watch the Barra fight, my hands are down. And maybe that's why I got caught with the big left hook. But if you watch me against uh, El Hadri, my hands are here for 12 rounds. But Packy had me training that way, you know. And after at the, at the end of every training session, we would do this thing where we would be for two rounds of... Uh, shadow boxing in the mirror I would start with um, one kilo dumbbells in each hand for 30 seconds then drop one, uh, then two kilos then 30 seconds stop then three kilos in each hand and then go again back to so it's a three minute round and I would do that for two rounds at the end of every hard training session and I'm telling you my hands were just falling off me but then if you watch the fight the 12 round fight my hands were here even yeah. in the 12th round they're here and uh you know that's you know that's what you have to do. That's uh, when McCullough, right? When that Eddie, McCullough, Eddie Fudge yeah. talked about McCullough was going to make it because he he had that kind of. And it, I mean, obviously yeah. protected him all the way to yeah. his incredible career. Yeah. Loads of really nice comments coming in. Uh, he worked hard for it. Respect says Mark C. JP Wright says this guy's an inspiration to everybody. Eric, what about joining the Kildare backroom team? Uh-huh. They could yeah. uh, they could definitely do with it. Sean Mulhern says Eric is such an inspiration. Every time he's on the show, it's brilliant. And Brian Slattery says such a great speaker and an inspiration. Like. This is uh, you. You don't see the texts and messages that we get, but every time you're on, there is this outpouring of people um, just rallying behind you. I, I hope you feel that. Do yeah. you? I do. Yeah. I, I, last night I listened to uh, another kind of a tribute to me as well from irishboxing.com as well and I was just kind of like a little bit kind of overwhelmed by that I got a bit emotional and Laura was my wife just be trying to tell me you know you have that impact like and I was just like I don't like I didn't I don't see that you know what I mean because I think it was because of my own kind of imposter syndrome 
thing that I used to be dealing with most of my life not feeling good enough or not feeling worthy or whatever but I tell you I am growing in that regard and I can I do know today and I can accept that I am having a good positive impact you know and I think that there in itself is a huge step you know in the right direction it is you, you deserve it though yeah. like uh, you know again the the comeback is an incredible story the mm. book is going to be incredible I hope there's a movie of it because you deserve it yeah. and um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm genuinely really interested to see what comes next because whoever gets you which, whichever aspect of Irish sport mm. gets you they're going to be incredibly uh, yeah. successful and um, you know I don't know I, like, what do you want to do <laughs> I don't even know what I want to do myself but that's not I suppose uh that's not saying that I've nothing to do. No, you know sure. Because I mean? yeah. like, you've got everything yeah. to do. Um, the amazing thing is that I'm very lucky that I can uh, spend a bit of downtime now with my wife and my children and my two older kids, Jack and Troy. They were up with us for the midterm and all. And just great. Like, you know, it's a lovely, lovely time, lovely moment. And um, and I, I, I do these talks, you know, here and there. But it's not like, you know, Every day I'm having to run out and leave the house, so I can enjoy a little bit of downtime. But I will, I will kind of, I suppose, because I do know I need. We all need to have a structure in our life. We all need to be. We all need to be involved, and so we all need to be working. So, um, I will look at where you know what you know. I'll o- I'm open to options and discussions, and we'll see where it goes. I suppose. I saw a quote for, uh, recently where I think it was since your latest um, baby was born, where Laura said, "These are the best days of our lives." Yeah. And like that struck me as something that you know you do have time now you can relax yeah. and unwind and enjoy these best days of your life. Yeah, and that's it. They are like you know we they're extraordinary times, and I think we should always really push for push the bar and you know step outside of our comfort zone. Like we all know that. How many times do we all say like okay life you know stepping outside your comfort zone that's where it's at you know but we don't do it enough you know I think we're all really. Yeah. We're all performing, obviously, but way below the, what our maximum, you know. Um, so take that risk, you know. Take that leap of faith and, and just push the boundaries. And, um, you know, that's where the, I think that's where uh, your uh, I think I think that's where you'll discover your true qualities. Uh, last one for now. I needed this today. Thank you, Eric, says Stephen in Dublin 3. I think everybody always needs a little bit of Eric Dunham in their lives. Congratulations, man. It's, um, Pleasure. it's a testimony to you and the hard work, and uh, it's a great story. Thanks, man. Sure. Can I just say thanks to Off the Ball? You've been absolutely amazing. Uh, champion me right from the very start. You know, you rally behind me, and everybody I meet, people I meet in the street, they're always in the way. Listen to you on Off the Ball. Listen to you on Off the Ball. You're brilliant on Off the Ball. Like, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. Eric Dunham and Off the Ball. So, um, did you say, what was I doing next year? Was <laughs> <laughs> I want to joke no but seriously honestly I want to say that thanks very much hey, you've been great. You've, you've been, been great. sensational the whole way along OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent mode.